Thessalonians chapter 2 and beginning with verse number 10. 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 10. Paul says, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth. Everyone say the love of the truth. Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Sounds like the love of the truth is pretty important. In fact, let's read on verse 11. He says, and for this cause. For what cause? Because they didn't receive a love of the truth. For this cause, God Jehovah, our Lord, the one who loves us and doesn't want anybody to be lost. But the Bible says there is something that will cause even this loving God to send them strong delusion. That they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So this this is a stern warning that the apostle gives and he said God himself will send a delusion will cause people to be deceived if they don't receive a love of the truth and so that's what I want to talk to you about for just a little while tonight um, I, want to, I want to preach to you teach whatever however it unfolds about the love of the truth The love of the truth. Praise God. May God bless the reading of his word to your hearts. You may be seated. Now, now I want to explain something to you tonight as I begin. As I said, this is probably going to evolve into a series of studies. But I want to explain something to you. Because when I talk about the truth, many times we think of the truth as being just simply an object that we can possess. But I want to show you that truth is much more than a simple singular object. Listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verse 30. I have chosen the way of truth. I have chosen the way way of truth. The judgments have I laid before me. Now, look at this. The psalmist calls truth a way. The word way in the original Hebrew means a road that is traveled. All right? It's a highway. It's a path. And so here's what he said. this, This word comes from a Hebrew word that means to walk. And so when he says, I've chosen the way of truth, he was talking about a pathway, a direction. Truth is not a singular object that we just possess and hold on to. But truth is a way, it is a path, it's a road on which each of us must embark and which which we must continue to follow until we arrive at the final destination. Amen. It's a pathway. It's a roadway. We walk in the truth. Praise God. Now, 
let me just tell you, I, I, want you to, I want you to get an understanding of this tonight. Every man begins this journey called truth at the same point. And it is the point of ignorance. Ignorance. Now, I've said this many times, but I want to say it again. Ignorance is not the same as stupidity. Ignorance is a lack of knowledge. Stupidity is the lack of ability to gain knowledge. Someone who is stupid cannot learn. Someone who is ignorant has not learned. You understand the difference? I will readily admit that I am ignorant of some subjects. I am ignorant. Now, my son-in-law is a rocket scientist. I like to go around telling people that. I have a son-in-law who's a rocket scientist. That's what he is. He's designing um, all kinds of things for our military and, uh, and has a, a master's degree in rocket science. But I am ignorant. If, if he were to try, in fact, I read an article that, that uh, the, the Air Force University wrote about one of his projects. And I'm telling you, I understood very little in that article. There were a few words in there that I could pick out that made sense to me. But there's a whole lot of that that I have no clue what they're talking about. All right? So, so I'm just telling you, I'm ignorant of those things. That's, that's not something to be ashamed of. In fact, there are some things, some wickedness in the world of which I am ignorant. And I want to remain ignorant. Some things I don't want to know about. All right? So when I say that every one of us start on this path of truth at the point of ignorance, don't be offended by that. It simply means that we have not yet learned what we need to know. But it is where we all start out. Amen. That's where we begin. And, and, and here's what the Bible says. Romans chapter 10 verses 13 and 14. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How can they call on somebody they've never believed in? And how shall they believe in him? And how can they believe in somebody of whom they have not they've heard? They've never heard of. And how shall they hear without a preacher? So you see what Paul is saying here to the church at Rome. This is a very simple statement. It, it only makes sense to us. It's logical to us. First of all, they can't call on somebody to save them if they don't believe he's the Savior. Secondly, they can't believe he's the Savior if they've never heard about him. So they are ignorant of him. And then he goes on to say there's only one way to remedy that. This is the way God has chosen to remedy the ignorance of the truth. God chose to use preachers. I know that preachers fail. I know preachers make mistakes. I know preachers. I've heard preachers say stupid things. I have heard it with my own ears. In fact, every once in a while, I was the preacher who said something stupid. All right? This, I'm just telling you the truth. I'm just being honest with you. But it does not take away from the fact that this is God's plan. And if you're ever going to learn truth, somewhere 
there's going to be a preacher involved. This is the way God's designed it. And that's what it takes to get us beyond this starting point of ignorance. Now, I want to also show you that the process of salvation begins by this simple procedure of calling on the name of the Lord. And yet we can't call on him if we've never believed on him. And we can't believe in him if we've never heard of him. And so ignorance of the truth, ignorance of the truth is where we all start. But what I want and what I hope for and what I pray for is that that none of us stay at the point of ignorance. We've got to go beyond that point. Now, now why would I be concerned? I'll tell you why I'm concerned about it. Because ignorance of the truth is exactly where the devil wants everybody to be. He wants to keep everybody at that point of ignorance. Here's what the Bible says. This is what uh, first Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4. Listen to this. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, now look, I want to I tell you something. In fact, Brother Wisdom, if you don't mind, put verse 3 back up there here very quickly. I want to show you something. This is what the Bible says. All right? I'm not giving you opinion tonight. I'm giving you scripture. And I want you to see, if our gospel is hid, it's hid to them that are lost. And so I submit to you tonight that if the gospel is hidden to you, if you don't know what the gospel is, Scripturally, you're lost. You don't know the gospel. You don't know the truth. You're at the point of ignorance. Everybody who's at that point is lost. Listen to me, church. There is a doctrine in the world today that says people are saved based on what they know. And I want to tell you that nothing could be further from the truth. If people can be saved through ignorance, then let's shut our mouths, close the door of the church, and let the whole world be saved. Let's never tell them anything, and then they go to heaven through ignorance. But according to this scripture, ignorance will cause you to be lost. Now, the second thing you need to notice is what verse 4 says. Put it back up there. Verse 4, he said, the God of this world. Now, notice that's a small g. We're not talking about Jehovah now. We're not talking about our Lord. We're talking about the God of this world, the devil. And here's what he has done. He has blinded the minds of them that believe not for one reason. He does not want them to come to know the truth. If he can keep them ignorant, he can keep them lost. And so he's hidden it from them. He has blinded them to it because ignorance equals damnation. When we're talking about the way of truth. All right. Are you with me tonight? Anybody who doesn't know is lost. And so the devil doesn't ever want you to know. He wants to keep the truth hidden from you. He never wants you to understand the path God wants you to walk in. 
But I'm here tonight to try to help everybody start on that journey called truth. Amen. Some of us are further down that road than others. But I hope we're all walking that pathway. Let's talk about it here. What's the first step? Ignorance of the truth is where you begin. So the first step to get out of ignorance, this is what the Bible says, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come to unto come the knowledge to the, of the truth. To the knowledge. Knowledge of the truth. Everyone say knowledge of the truth. So here's the first step. How do you overcome ignorance? With knowledge. You overcome ignorance with not. If I wanted to learn what it is my son-in-law is doing, there's one way to do it. I've got to gain some knowledge. I'm going to have to take some courses. I'm going to have to read some books. I'm going to have to listen to some teachers. The only way to overcome ignorance is through knowledge. And so this is the first step on this path. We take a step called the knowledge of the truth. God wants all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. It is the will of God that you go beyond your ignorance of the truth. It is the will of God that you come into the knowledge of truth. But we can't stop at simply the knowledge of the truth. We've got to go further than that. Let's read on. This is still in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16. Take heed unto thyself. I'm sorry, this is chapter 4, verse 16. I'm sorry. 1 Timothy 4, 16. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue, Continue in them. Continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. All right, here's what he said. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine or the teaching. This is the way we're going to overcome true ignorance is through teaching, through learning, through gaining knowledge. He says, take heed unto the teaching, unto the doctrine, and continue in it. This is how you're going to save yourself. Through continuance, through pursuing this path of truth. Don't just... Don't just leave ignorance and gain a little knowledge and stop there. But continue in that path. In fact, I want to tell you how far you've got to continue. Here's the next milestone on the pathway of truth. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls. You purified your souls. How? In obeying the truth. In obeying the truth. Through the spirit. So, so the starting point is ignorance of truth. The first step is knowledge of the truth. But you've got to go beyond just knowing the truth. And when you learn truth, you've got to obey the truth. You've got to do something about what you learned. You've got to put it into practice. He said this is how you purify your soul. See, just because you know the truth doesn't mean your soul's been purified. If you want your soul to be purified, you got to go beyond knowing the truth and start obeying what you know. Obeying the truth 
through the Spirit uh-huh. unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Uh-huh. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. All right, so this is the way we purify our souls is through obedience to the truth. Now, I, I dealt with this somewhat just recently, but, but let's take time to look at it here tonight. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Jesus tells a parable here and shows us the difference between knowing the truth and obeying the truth. All right? Watch this. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine. I want to say heareth. Okay. And doeth them. I want to say doeth. So there's two things that are happening here with this man. Right? He's hearing it. That's knowledge of the truth. But secondly, he's doing it. That's obedience to the truth. So Jesus said the man who not only has the knowledge of the truth, but he also obeys the truth, I will liken him unto a wise unto man. To a wise man. Which built his house upon a rock. His house on a rock. And the rain descends. The rain and the floods the came. The floods come. And the winds, the blew, winds blow. And beat upon that and house. And they beat on that house. And it fell. But that house continues to stand. For it was founded upon because a rock. Because it was founded on a rock. What rock? What rock was it founded on? The rock of obedience. That's what he's done. He not only heard the truth. He obeyed the truth, and that was a solid foundation. If you want your spiritual house to stand, you've got to do more than know what's right. You've got to do what's right. Well, praise God. So let's read on. And everyone that heareth these sayings. All right, everyone say heareth. And doeth them not. Oh, everyone say doeth not. Shall be likened unto a foolish man. All right, now, now get this. I want you to understand this, church. Here's what I want you to see in the scripture. This man had the knowledge of the truth. He heard it. Right? Are you with me? He had a knowledge of the truth. But he never obeyed the truth. He heard it. But he did nothing about it. He gained the knowledge, but never went as far as obedience. All right? So this man is a foolish man. Which built his house upon the sand. Upon the sand. Now look at the difference here. He said one man has a solid foundation. It's a rock. It's unmovable. The other man has a shifting foundation. It's sand. You ever done anything around the sand? You ever go to the beach as a kid and build sand castles? You know what that's all about? You understand how flimsy they are? I don't care how much time you put into them. I don't care how nice they look. Doesn't take much to knock them down. Doesn't take much for the waves to just wash them away. Hallelujah. And so I... I'm trying to show you tonight the difference between wisdom and folly hinges on obedience. You've got to do more than know what's right. 
You've got to do what's right. There must be obedience to the truth. You've got to obey what you've learned. You've got to obey what you've heard. All right, what does he say about this house on the sand? And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, uh-huh. and it fell. And it fell. And great was the fall of it. And great was the fall of that house. This man knew the truth. This man had heard the truth. This man was aware of the truth. He knew full well what he should do. But he did nothing about what he knew. I'm preaching to us tonight. I'm telling you, church, we can get so caught up and and we can become so... uh, self-assured that everything is okay that we think that because we've got a grasp on something that's enough but I'm here to preach to you tonight that truth is a pathway that we've got to walk in all the days of our life and as we go through the scriptures it's not enough that a man comes here and preaches to us for instance everybody Everywhere, all the time. It's not enough that he preaches that to us. I think you were gone when Brother Myers came and preached that. That's a, you, you need to get that recording. That's a, it, it was a phenomenal message. It just, he really preached about evangelism. And he said that, that ought to be the way we do it. It just ought to be everybody, everywhere, all the time. Everywhere we go. Now we heard the message. We've been reminded of that truth. But are we doing anything about it? It's not enough to hear the truth. We've got to obey the truth. Well, when I preach to you about prayer, it's not enough to say amen. It's not enough to hear it. You've got to do something about it. And I could go on with a whole list of things. All of this is a part of walking in this path called truth. As you hear truth, as you learn truth, you must obey truth. In fact, this is not in the notes. You got your Bible right there. I want you to go over to the book of James. And I want you to see what James had to say about this very same principle. Amen. James began to write... In, uh, in James chapter 1. Uh, let's start in verse 22. James 1 verse 22. But be ye doers of but the word. But be ye. Obedient. Right? Be obedient to the word. And not hearers only. And don't just have the knowledge of it. Is that, is that an acceptable way to translate this? Don't you think that that is getting across the message James was trying to declare? Don't just have the knowledge of the truth, but obey the truth. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own self. Here's what he said. If all you have is a knowledge and you never put that knowledge into practice, you're deceiving yourself. Read. 
For if any be a hearer because of the word, because if anybody is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, if all he has is the knowledge without the obedience, he is like unto a man, like a man beholding his natural face in a glass, into a mirror. For he beholdeth himself. He sees himself and goeth his way, and just gets up and walks away, and straightway forgetteth, and immediately forgets what manner of all he the was. things he saw wrong. You know, I'm sure, well, I'm sure some of you don't have this problem. Um, but I'm telling you, when I get up in the morning, you don't want to see what I look like. I, I have the worst case of pillow hair. It, it's, it's horrible. It's terrible. Now, some of you don't have that problem. But that's another topic for another time. But you know, what good would it do me to get up Sunday morning, see what a mess my hair is in, look in the mirror, see it, and say, man, that's bad, and go ahead and put on my tie and coat and come to church. The mirror is there to show me what needs to be corrected. Right? And that's the way we've got to see the word of God, the truth of God's word. We've got to see this as a mirror. We look at it. Somebody preaches evangelism. We're not really practicing that. We don't need to just say, oh my. We need to say, I better fix that. Somebody preaches prayer. Somebody preaches fasting. Somebody preaches whatever the subject is that we know is truth in God's word. We can't just look at the mirror and then go our way. The mirror is there so we'll fix the problem. We've got to do more than hear it. We've got to obey it. All right? Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, yes. he being not a forgetful He's hearer, not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word. He's a doer of the word. This man this shall man be blessed shall in his be deed. Blessed in his deed. You want the blessing of God? Do you want the blessing of God? Well, hallelujah. Do you want the blessing of God? The Bible is clear that to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is. Oh, there's only a few of you that do the answer to that. To him it is. Understand what we're dealing with here, church. The devil doesn't care how, and I feel this. I feel this so strongly tonight. I know we're not running the aisles, but I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm telling you. The devil doesn't care how many good preachers come through and stand behind this pulpit and preach masterpiece sermons. As long as all you do is shout amen and never put it into practice. Now, he wants you to stay ignorant of what God wants. That's what he wants. But he can't stop. He can't stop the preacher from preaching to you. Because this is God's plan. And the devil cannot stop God's plan. He wants to keep you from it. 
And that's why he'll keep you out of church. He'll, he'll do any number of things. That's his way of trying to keep you from ever coming to the knowledge of what you need to do. But I'm going to tell you, he doesn't even care if you get the knowledge of it. If you don't set about to put it into practice. He doesn't care how much you do, how much you hear. He cares how much you do. Did you get that? I kind of said it wrong. Let me say it again. He doesn't care how much you hear. He cares how much you do. Somewhere there's got to be something in our hearts and in our spirits that we quit excusing ourselves. I'm telling you, this is just, this is a world, I started to say generation, but it's not just a generation. This is a world that is bent on excusing itself. It's never my fault. I'm not the one to blame. The reason I have these fits of anger is because you make me mad. It's your fault. No, you've got the issue with a temper that you need to pray through. Well, quit pointing your fingers at everybody else. Start accepting some responsibility. Understand, church. I'm, I'm trying to be sweet, kind, and yet forceful and honest at the same time. There are things that I have been preaching for 18 years that some of you have never put into practice. What good does it do for me to preach it if you're not going to do it? This is, if, if the devil cannot keep you from being ignorant of the truth, then he wants to keep you from obeying the truth. I would to God that something would happen within our hearts even before we leave this service tonight that we make up in our minds that God, if you ever speak to me across that pulpit, I'm going to do everything I can do to fix the problems in my life. I'm going to quit blaming everybody else. I'm going to quit blaming everybody else and I'm going to take some responsibility and I'm going to fix the problems that I've got. Well, how many times have I preached to you about pressing through until we have a move of God in the service? And yet how many services have you just sit there and let it go by Without doing what you know you should be doing. This is what I'm preaching to you church. This is, I'm trying to help us. If we're ever going to get to the place God wants us to be. Somewhere we've got to start putting what we know into practice. Well, hallelujah. We've got to do something about what we know. We've got to be obedient, not just knowledgeable. Hallelujah. Praise God. But 
even that, even that, is not the final destination. We've got to move beyond ignorance of the truth to the knowledge of the truth. But we've got to move beyond the knowledge of the truth to obedience of the truth. But can I tell you, we've got to move beyond obedience to the truth. I'm I'm trying to get all of us to that point. But we've got to go beyond that point. We've got to go beyond obeying the truth. Well, because there is something even more important than obedience to the truth. And it's what I read to you in my text today. 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 10 through 12. And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth. The love of the truth. Now let me tell you something. And we'll come back and finish this verse in just a moment. But let me tell you something. There are people obeying the truth that have never fallen in love with it. I've watched it. In fact, I've, I've known of preachers that have preached the truth that didn't fall in love with it. That's right. They knew it was truth. I, I'm, you know, many years ago, I went to get my hair cut, sit down in a barber chair, and the man began to tell me. He, he, he began to talk to me, and I, I invited him to church. He said, well, where do you go? And so I told him, and he said, oh. He said, the pastor is my cousin. I said, Really? He said, yes. He said, we're first cousins. He said, I was raised apostolic. He said, I'm not living it today, but I know it's right. And if I ever go to church anywhere, that's where I'm going. Well, you know, that's commendable. It's commendable he's got the knowledge of the truth. And at one point in his life, he obeyed the truth. But why isn't he there now? He never loved it. He never loved it. This this is, how many times have you heard me say this, church? You don't leave what you love. That's right. You don't leave what you love. I've used the example of, 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 Couples that one of the spouses is in a coma or is a, uh, in, in a vegetative state and the other spouse will sit by their bedside for years getting absolutely nothing out of the relationship but they stay there. Why? Because they love them. It's love that keeps them there. I'm telling you, you don't leave what you love. So when people walk away, there was a love problem. Now, some people never really had the knowledge of it. Some people just heard it, never understood it. They parroted what they'd heard. They didn't really have a knowledge of it. And they walk away from it because that's all the farther they got. They never really reached that point. And and so they, they walk away. And then there are others that Get the knowledge of it and obey it, but they don't stay around because they don't love it. This is why I'm telling you it's not enough for us to even reach the point we're obeying the truth. 
We've got to love the truth. And this is my concern. And this is my drive. And this is my passion. And I'm telling you, the last few times that I've been allowed to preach off anywhere, I'm going to tell you what I've preached. I've preached apostolic doctrine. That's what I preached. And you want to know why? Because I have got something burning in me, Brother Tolstad. I'm concerned. When I look around, we're not hearing doctrine preached. We're hearing a whole lot of other things being taught, a whole lot of other things being said. We're not hearing doctrine anymore. And I'm telling you there's a reason why. How many weeks go by? Think about this for a minute. How many weeks go by that I don't make some reference to my wife? Not very many. You want to know why? You want to know why I talk about her all the time? Because I love her. That's why I talk about her. I love her. You want to know why we get around other people and start pulling out pictures of the grandkids? It's because we love them. We talk about what we love. We've got to get to a point that we love the truth. This is why preachers are not preaching doctrine. I'm convinced many of them have never reached the point they love the truth. They know it. They've obeyed it. But they don't love it. This is the only reason why a person could walk away from an apostolic church and go set on a church pew in a place where they don't even preach truth. How could they do that? I'll tell you how. They don't love the truth. There is, look, I'm going to tell you right now, it would be impossible for me to sit week after week and hear somebody proclaim that God is a trinity. I couldn't do it. There's no way I could sit there and listen to that. And I, I tell you, I, you know how much I enjoy southern gospel music but every once in a while I get so frustrated at some of the nonsense I hear on there when they get talking about how God turned his head away from his little boy while he's dying and God forsook the son and, and I, I just I get so sick of that I can't stand it you want to know why? because I love the truth that's why I love this truth You want to know why I get so excited about going to Africa? You want to know why? Because I love this truth and I'm sharing it with people. I'm telling others that don't know it. Well, and if you want to complain about me going to Africa, I want to tell you, here's what you can do to fix it. Start filling this church up with people that don't know the truth and let me preach to them like I'm preaching to people over there. Well, that kind of hit a stump, but anyhow. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, I love this message. And every chance I get to turn somebody from the error of false doctrine, I'm going to jump on that opportunity because I love this message. My mind is boggled. My mind, and I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back, but I'm just telling you, my mind is boggled. Men that I've taken with me to these trips in Africa that have told me, they said, you know, great men, great men that I highly respect have told me, said, if I was the one trying to do what you're doing, I couldn't do it. 
well, I could if I spent enough time studying and preparing, but to just stand up there and let them fire questions and answer every question they ask, I, 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 I couldn't do it. I had a man tell me just the other day, he said, if you let anybody else go to Africa and teach on the oneness of God, you're an idiot. He said, you're the man that needs to be doing that. Now, now he prefaced that by saying, I don't want to be offensive. I said, oh, there's nothing offensive about being called an idiot. Nothing at all. Don't worry about it. But listen, church, I'm going to tell you, not every church, not every church, not every apostolic church, not every conservative apostolic church hears doctrine as frequently as you do. You you think that it's just common. You think every church is this way. I'm telling you, it's not. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm just trying, you know why I talk about it so much? Because I love it. I didn't know this truth. When I came to God, I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know Genesis from Revelation. I I didn't know anything about it, but I fell in love with it. You know, I seriously gave consideration I guess this is a warning. Because I, I, I gave serious consideration to having everybody stand that could quote at least one scripture on the oneness of God. You could quote one scripture. Tell me where it's at and quote it on the oneness of God. I, I thought, I'd, I'd really like to know. Some of you are thinking right now. <laughs> Acts 2.38 doesn't count. I said the oneness of God. All right. Um, and then start having you be seated. How many can quote two? How many can quote three? How many can quote four or five? I'm afraid somewhere along the way, most all of us would be sitting down. And you want to know why? Because you've listened to me talk about it. You've heard me teach it. You know that I know it. You know that I love it. And you figure if you get in a debate with somebody, all you got to do is call pastor. You're not the only ones that feel that way. You wouldn't believe how many phone calls I get. Where's that scripture? That uh, I tell people, buy a good Strong's Concordance. Look it up for yourself. It's a good learning process. Look it up for yourself. Find it. Not that I mind helping you, but giving you the answers doesn't really help you. Is that right, Sister Desiree? That's, is that a good principle for teaching? Giving the kids the answers does not help them. Helping them find the answers. Right? So, so this, is, this is what I'm trying to do, church. I, I want it to go beyond. Look, I don't want to just start another series of doctrine where you sit and listen to me teach it. And that's all you do. I want you to fall in love with it. I want you to get as consumed with it as I am. 
again, I'm not patting myself on the back, all right? I'm just telling you, I'm telling you. Was not raised in the church, received the Holy Ghost at the age of 12. By the age of 14, I sat down at a typewriter and put together eight typed pages on why we baptize in Jesus' name. 14 years old, eight pages. I put it together. 14 years old. 17 years old. Guest on a radio talk show in Dallas, Texas, debating a so-called theologian on the subject of baptism in Jesus' name. I was 17 years old. Some of you are twice that age and more and couldn't do either one of those things. Now, I'm not superhuman. I'm not anybody special. I don't have an IQ like Albert Einstein. In fact, you could probably, you could probably measure my IQ with a tire gauge, I, I'm, I'm assuming. I, I mean, I'm not that bright, but I just love the truth. And, and the truth is so simple. It's so easy to understand. But we got to fall in love with it. We've got to fall in love with it. We've got to reach a place that we love this truth. Now, I told you I'd come back to this verse. I don't even know what time it is. What, what time is it? You know, oh, your phone's out there too. Well, you didn't, you didn't help. What time is it? 10 till 9. All right. So I've got about 10 minutes to close up, right? Before magic hour hits. Let's finish this verse. With all deceivableness and unrighteousness and unperish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Now, it sounds to me like a love for the truth is an important part of salvation. This is not just a good suggestion that I'm making to you. In fact, I want you to see how important it is. Let's read the next verse. And for this cause, for this cause, because they receive not the love of the truth, God shall send God, them strong delusion. God is going to send a strong delusion that they should believe a lie, so that you'll believe a lie that they all might be damned and be damned who believe not the truth, who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in had unrighteousness. Pleasure. Now, listen. This is what the Bible says: that when people don't receive a love for the truth. There will come a time in which God himself will send a delusion and cause you to believe something that isn't true. Because God doesn't just want people to know the truth or obey the truth. God wants us loving this truth. He wants us loving this truth. I want you to skip way, way down in the, in the notes there. It's probably the last page. In fact, let me see. It is. The, the, very, the last page next to the last passage that's there, Deuteronomy 13. I want to show you something here as I, as I close. Mr. Becca, come. As, as I close tonight, I want to show you something that the Bible says. Deuteronomy 13. Listen to what he says here. If there arise among there you arise a prophet. Among you a prophet. Or a dreamer of, or a dreams, dreamer of dreams, and giveth thee a sign or a wonder. Gives you a sign or a wonder. Now, now get this. 
This man really is performing miracles. These are real miracles. I know there's a lot of guys out there that are faking them. You know, they'll have a perfectly healthy person sit in a wheelchair and roll them out on stage so they can supposedly heal them. I know there's a lot of that faking going on. But I want you to see God said, there are those who come along and actually perform miracles. And things really are happening. Read. And the sign or the wonder, sign come of the to wonder pass, comes to pass. Whereof he spake unto thee, saying, uh-huh. Let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Yeah. Thou shalt not hearken Don't unto the words hearken of that prophet. The words of that prophet. Or that dreamer of dreams. Or that dreams. dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God oh, proveth you. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, let me, let me, let's just stop right there for just a minute. And let's, let's talk about this. Church, there's something that we need to understand. All right, we've got to get an understanding of this. Just because a man performs miracles, just because a man even gets under the anointing of God, just because a man prays people through to the Holy Ghost does not mean God has put his approval on that man. Now, this is a false concept that really, I'm going to tell you, has circulated through especially conservative apostolic churches. God's not going to use a corrupted vessel. God's not going to use a dirty vessel. I'm here to tell you, God will use whatever vessel he's got to use. Look at Samson. God would use Samson, and the next night he'd be down at the prostitute's house. And yet God would use him again. God uses whatever vessel he needs to use. But that doesn't mean God approves of that vessel. And we've got to get this revelation, and we've got to understand that just because... It appears that God is using a man does not mean God approves of that man. All right? We got we to get this. Because I'm going to tell you, according to this verse, there will be those that will even perform miracles. That will have dreams that come to pass. People that can come up and whisper in your ear and tell you things about yourself that, that nobody else knows. That doesn't mean God approves. In fact, rather than approving, this verse tells us that God may be proving. Let's finish it. For the Lord your God proveth you. The Lord you your God proveth you to know whether, to know ye whether you love the Lord, love your, the God Lord your God with all your, with heart, all your heart and with and all, all your, soul. your soul. See, this is why God allows some of these men to go around when they're not doing right and may not even be preaching truth and yet miracles are happening. God's doing it to test you. Do you love God? Do you love the truth? Or do you love miracles? Do you love power? Do you love the excitement of an anointed preacher? Or do you love truth? That's what the Bible says. God proves you. 
by allowing these things. God is checking your level of love. God is checking to see where your allegiance is. Do you love the truth? See, in this case, he says, you've got a choice between the miracle or the message. He said, the message this guy's preaching is, don't serve the God you've been serving. That's what his message is. But yet he's got miracles, and they're real miracles. But don't pursue the miracles if the message is not right. So this is, the question comes, oh, well, man, if the, guy, if the guy's performing miracles, if the guy's got anointing, people are getting the Holy Ghost, then how do we know whether it's real or not? I tell you how. You listen to the message. How was it, I've got to close, but how was it that Isaac was deceived into blessing Jacob instead of Esau? Do you remember that story? you remember how that happened? What was it that happened? Jacob came in with all this wool on his arms and and. And he goes and he's talking to his father who's blind. And his father makes the statement, it is the voice of Jacob. But the hands of Esau. And so Isaac had to make a decision. Here's how he's going to determine which way to go. Either by what he heard or by what he felt. And he made a determination of a feeling rather than hearing. And blessed the wrong man as a result. You can't trust what you feel. You've got to trust what you hear. It's got to be the truth. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You gotta fall in love with the truth. God, help us to love the truth. Let's stand and lift our hands tonight. Help us to love the truth. Help us to love the truth. Help us to love the truth, God. I don't want to just know it. I don't want to just obey it. I want to love it. Oh, come on. Let's talk to him. Let's talk to him. Hallelujah. These altars are open tonight.
praise you, Jesus.